Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, the podcast for writers who strive to be bold and readers who crave something new. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I want to thank you for being here, and I want us to stay in touch. So subscribe to this podcast, then go to writingtherongway.com and enter your best email to receive the Martian Embassy Missive, my bi-weekly newsletter where I let you know what's happening on Mars, where we're always making big plans. Join the Martians so you don't get left out of the invasion at writingtherongway.com. And as a special bonus, I'll send you a free book. Speaking of books, my new book is The Lightning of Possible Storms, a collection of short fiction that reads like a novel. It includes stories about a mad scientist trying to steal his son's dreams, a story where a personification of capitalism is trying to impress his boss by winning a contest at work, a story about a Hollywood producer who just decides to adapt a bunch of explosions, uh, and many other stories, some funny, some terrifying, Salima Nawaz uh, says that it's cheerfully horrifying and full of the unexpected. Suzette Mayer says it's beautifully written and expertly composed. And I say, uh, it's time you read this book. I've been working on it for almost 20 years, and I'm excited to share it with you. So please go to PossibleStorms.com. Again, that's PossibleStorms.com, and you'll find out a lot more about this book and some of the bonuses that you can get when you buy this book. Let's get on with the show. I'm talking to Lyndon Radchenka, who I presume I'm pronouncing yep. your name correct. I never have asked you, but I'm pretty good at pronouncing names. I've got a friend. We were, Lyndon was lettering a comic that our friend Stephen Call did, who was, you know, his longtime collaborator, my kind of recent collaborator, but I'm doing this comic with him called Dirk Dirksen versus the Demons from Mars that Lyndon's lettering and... Uh, the character of Dirk Dirksen is based visually on this guy I know whose name is Alexander Zhovsky. And it took me many times to learn how to pronounce that name. But I do pronounce it perfectly. Yep. Alexander Zhovsky. And I can spell it as well. And uh, anyway, Lyndon Redchenka here. And we're going to talk about setting up a writing business. Yeah, Lyndon's sort of, you know, I'm in the phase of trying to reset <laughs> up my writing business. Uh, Lennon's in the f- phase of, you know, kind of, I guess, I don't know if you'd say in the early or middle stages of setting up your, setting up your writing business. Early. And we want to, then had the idea of kind of getting into it by just talking a bit about, initially about our differing approaches to university and the fact that Lyndon did not do a master's degree, uh, whereas I did. I was just talking to my daughter about this last night uh, as she's kind of thinking about what she might, may or may not do. So, Lyndon, uh, you didn't do a master's degree. You did an English degree and then did not do a master's of English, although uh, in the last podcast you talked about a little story you had where this professor had been encouraging you to do so. Mm-hmm. Can you just reiterate that quickly and then kind of get into... Um, sort of, you know, your take on what you were talking about. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna open this. He wants to open this. Thank you. Live on air. Hmm. So and yeah, because I, I did it last time. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> this episode works as a soft follow up to the last conversation that we had, um, in which we ranted and raved about the creative business and legal edu- or and um, and education. And you're you're right. I didn't go into a master's program after. Um, instead, I went and got a law degree because I was told I should and that it was the responsible thing to do. 
And now that I've finished my legal education, um, I want to start doing more creative work again and trying to do it professionally. So the, the question that I want to talk about or that I want to kind of drill into is as someone who's a young adult and has, you know, a now, you know, basic experience doing creative work, how do I start to shift into doing it more professionally and allowing it to take up more of my time and pay more of my bills. Um, But I think that it's valuable that we look at this both from the perspective of someone like me who I'm ready to, if I could, I would do this full time, but also for the people that um, maybe aren't in that position yet and are stuck working part time to pay their bills while they continue to chase their creative passions. Yeah. And just for a bit of context, where I'm at right now is I'm basically a full time writer um, I, however, though, uh, sort of divide my, my writing income, uh, if you want to call it that, is sort of divided right now between sort of three sources and it'll be up and down which of those is paying me more at mm-hmm. the moment. So, uh, recently most of my money, uh, division speaking, like the, the, the largest third of my money recently has been from just my own creative projects. Mm-hmm. So like doing, you know, not, uh, I'm working on a novel right now that I have some grant support for. Um, I'm doing a comic book that I have, you know, some uh, grad support for, for as well, which, you know, uh, by the time this comes out, people will know already that you're also working on this book called The Eye Collector yes. that we've uh, signed with Virus Comics uh, to uh, publish. Um, I've got a short story book coming out. Uh, it may be out by the time you hear this called The Lightning of Possible Storms. Um, I've got a bunch of kind of my own creative projects. Yes. Yeah for lack of a better, there's like a big bucket of my own creative projects. Right now, that's been actually uh, roughly a third, maybe a little bit more than a third of my income at the moment. But, you know, there's some years where like I get almost no money from that yeah, it's, bucket and other years where it's, you know, overflowing. It's one of those things that the people that we know who do this full time and make a living do it describe as feast or famine. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Yeah, it really is. a. I mean, the creative work in terms of like books and like I guess now I'm moving into comics or, you know, my own, I was doing, I did last year, I got a bunch of my, do some screenplay writing. Um, so like for lack of a better word though, like my projects, that bucket is like empty or full. (laughs) There's no in between. Yeah. Uh, the bucket that's a bit more steady, uh, for me, uh, are the other two thirds. So the one other sec third, which is starting to really ramp up at the moment is my freelance writing. So still writing or editing work. Um, the precise nature of that work will change. Um, and lately it's been kind of ramping up and up and up. Um, and to the degree that I'm, I have to kind of keep a handle on it so that it doesn't start to overtake my kind of creative work a bit too much. But, um, you know, but freelance writing, still writing work. And then I do a bunch of kind of, you know, recently it's been going down and down and down in some ways, but I get about a third of my work from like teaching creative writing. So, you know, doing a university class on, again, I see this writing work because I'm still basically doing the work, doing the creative writing stuff, but it isn't technically writing. Uh, So I'm doing less and less of that. Um, But, you know, historically I'm kind of like, Either that's been half or now about a third of my income. Um, So my quote-unquote writing business, uh, again, I include the teaching 
in the writing business because I'm not an employee of the university precisely. Yeah. Like on paper, I kind of am, um, but I'm really a contractor. A sessional instructor? Is that the term? Yeah, there's different terms. Okay. Basically, I'm a sessional instructor. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm effectively a contractor. Yeah. I'll be on payroll or not on payroll, depending on, yeah. you know, whatever. And then they tax me this way or that way. But, um, you know, but it's not most of my income. Yeah. Um, but it is like the schism in my, like, quote unquote, writing business. Um, so that's sort of where I'm sitting and it's kind of like changing and, and flexing, uh, you know, it's been changing quite a bit recently. Um, and I'm trying to kind of keep up with it in some ways, but, um, just, you know, for a bit of context, that's kind mm. of where I'm sitting at. Um, now, unlike you, I did do a master's degree and this is the thing, uh, that I think is kind of an intriguing, I think, connection to what I'm doing now is so in 2005 I got my master's degree and my thesis my creative thesis at the time was a screenplay thesis Mm -hmm. so it was a master's degree in English but I did a creative thesis option I did a screenplay as my creative thesis option which um, um, technically wasn't really allowed at the time I did it I was I ended up being the second person to do it Um, uh, and that was a book a screenplay called the Sandman, uh, which now I'm taking 15 years later, mm-hmm. I'm actually going back and taking that same material and revamping it, rewriting it, uh, extremely uh, rewriting it and revising it um, as the um, Eye Collector mm-hmm. uh, comic uh, miniseries, uh, five part miniseries. It's going to be kind of a graphic novel, mm-hmm. more or less. And then, you know, there's, I've got a plan where I could go on and do some more in that. Uh, like do another arc and so on so really I'm adapting right now into a 110 page graphic novel about 30 pages of that 90 page screenplay that I did 15 years ago yeah so that's the arc right like that's the sort of weird yeah way that this stuff all kind of like strangely that's the strange path of it you know yeah. like you're in school doing a master's project you think is going to it has it's like prepping for your phd you think is going to you know uh help you move into a career as a university professor mm-hmm. and then 15 years later mm-hmm. you know you're rewriting your screenplay as a comic you're mm-hmm. basically you know downgrading your teaching you know year after year to do less and less and less yeah um and you're kind of you know if you're you know i'm sitting here wondering like well maybe i should have been doing things a little differently (laughs) yeah i mean you and i have have spoken about this before the question that i had um for you that i wanted to talk about was you know when i finished up my undergrad degree in english i had and i mentioned this the last time we spoke i had a prof that recommended that i go into a master's program and i have no i never really had an interest in academia so a master's program wasn't something that appealed to me but it seems as though collectively um and this ends up being another generational thing maybe on my end a lot of people have decided that the um the way to fill their time if they're not sure what they want to do is to go and get more education um so the people that don't know what they want will go and get a master so they'll continue pushing forward and the question that i had was and when we're looking at credentials, because that's really what it comes down to, is they want to increase their credentials, is are you better off 
going and getting a master's degree or are you better off just writing a book? Which of those carries more weight in the long run? And at this point, my my views are that um, if you don't want to go into academia, you don't need a master's. Just go start doing the work because that is the same. You'll get the same credentials as getting a degree. You know, so my point of view, I think, is interesting in so far as it's maybe unclear. Like, I can't even say really what my point of view on it is. Because on one hand, I could look back at my master's degree and I could look back Mm -hmm. at it and think, I really, you know, there was no reason to get that master's degree. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I'm literally now turning turning it into something. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's 15 years later. But I, I am turning that project into something. I would never have completed the draft of that project, and I would never be doing this comic now, um, this comic se- miniseries now, if it wasn't for having done that master's thesis. Not only did I actually, and there's a couple ways in which that's true. So one way is the simple way in which, you know, that was when I wrote the draft mm-hmm. that I'm now revising. Mm-hmm. There's the more complex way in which I, I did... I worked with George Tolles, yep. who we talked about last time. Yep. I learned specific things that I'm, to this day, I'm still using, and even literally using yep. in this revision of this project me and George were working on. Yeah. Um, I also, um, of course, there's just that level in which I had the time because I was in school. Yeah. And I had to finish this project. Yeah. I did do it. And so, yes, I didn't really end up doing anything with it for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, when it came time that I wanted to try to move into comics, yeah. I wasn't starting at square zero. Like, so, I mean, in some ways, I, so, like, if you want to, like, look at the objective facts of reality, yeah. like, the first comic script I ever wrote, I then signed a five-issue miniseries deal. I haven't written another comic script. But... Would that have been possible? It's not like I started from square zero and no. had not written nothing. No, it sounds like... But it's like, it, like it was a path. Yeah. But to go back to your point, though, getting the degree is relevant to that path. Yeah. Like, it sounds as though what you're saying is um, the degree put you on a path that made you finish a project. It gave you the time to finish a project, and it gave you an idea that you could turn into a comic. But the project is what... Yeah. Mattered. The project is what mattered and it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was aided necessarily by having another set, another degree. You could have, you could have done that project if you had wanted to independently of getting that degree. The credential, when you sign. Yes. The credential is the project. Yeah. When, but when you sign the, the agreement for the mini series, they didn't say, oh, you have a master's degree. Yeah. Okay. We'll sign this. They said, oh, you have a finished idea. So when I look at trying to admit, trying to weigh the value of getting a master's degree versus just writing the damn book, I see I feel more inclined to just go and do the project without having to spend the whatever fifty thousand dollars to get the second degree because I can just do the work. Um, now I understand yeah. that getting the degree is going to give you you know maybe some discipline. It's going to drive you to the finish line. It's going to um, give you a little bit more support in terms of having academic an academic advisor that can maybe help you. But at the end of the day, those are all things and resources that you can do yourself. Well, I, I think you, you hit the right word there. It's resources. So like 
the one thing the master's degree did for me in yeah. a really straightforward and inarguable sense yeah. is it credentialed me to get a PhD. Mm-hmm. And then again, I treated the PhD like the master's and I did you know, all these different things inside of that program with yep. this financial support. So it, it really just being in the master's program, being in the PhD program, that th- those being in those programs mm-hmm. open, gave me certain resources yep. and then I made use of the resources. Yeah. What I see a lot of times is people don't make use of the resources. They nope. just go to school and yep. do their schoolwork, which is a tragedy. Yeah. Well, they go so that they can get a, the piece of paper it's thinking a, that the credentials are going to be what gives you what you want, but that's not what it is. The piece of paper is worthless. Yes. Uh, all that matters in the, is the project. Yes. And, and it's true even in the narrow terms of staying within academia. When you get that PhD and you do a dissertation, all that matters now is your dissertation topic. Yes. And the, you know, how good your dissertation is. The fact that you graduated on the strength of dissertation is irrelevant mm-hmm. in many respects. Mm-hmm. How good the dissertation is, is what's going to get you an interview. The topic, is yeah. it sexy? Is it interesting? Is it good? Is yeah. it smart? Is it fashionable? Is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, it's still the book you wrote in the program that's yeah. getting you, even in the narrow field of trying to get an academic job, yeah. it's the book you wrote. Yes. Uh, you know, and I feel like people really don't understand that. Yeah. There's, there's nothing, even today, in the world where of self-publishing, yeah. where anybody really can publish a book, yeah. uh, it's still the fact that a book credentials you like nothing else. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm trying to drive at here is when... Like if we were to put even me, a bad book, if we were to put me without a master's, like my resume on the table next to me with a master's, um, the master's part isn't what makes the difference when it comes to the publishing world. It's going to come down to the projects that we've done. And if you have a pro, if you think you can get, if you can get the project done without getting the degree and you can still t- bring the project home, you don't need the master's degree. It, the program might help you. It might help you get to the finish line. Um, but you don't need it. When I did my PhD, my PhD supervisor didn't have a PhD. Okay. But she had published. <laughs> yeah. So she was literally, I actually had more education than she did. But she was my supervisor yeah. because she had the publication history. Yeah. Now she's gone on and gotten a PhD at this point. Yeah. But the point is like, you, you know, it was like, it was just clear proof. The whole time I was in there, yeah. I was staring at the face of... You know the 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 degree is not the thing. Yeah, but we but now it seems like that is not the widely um, viewed message that people my age are receiving, which is that more education equals more money or more success or more prestige or whatever it, term it you want to use. And it might, but, but when it, we're looking at this sort of industry and this sort of field, it's we're saying that you have to get outside of that because it's going to come down to the work that you're doing. It's not the piece of yeah. paper that's doing it for you. So let's kind of come back yeah. to that topic in a bit more of a concrete way. So as you're kind of realizing that what really matters the most in many respects is the work you're doing yeah. um, and the work you've done, et yep. cetera, et cetera. And, I, and you're trying to set yourself on a path um, of doing a creative, having a creative career. Mm-hmm. By which you you know mean that you want to just not only be doing the, you know your creative work that you love and enjoy, mm-hmm. but you additionally want to make money. Yes, um, you know to allow you to continue doing that. Yeah, 
Um, so, you know, again, just kind of back, come back to your topic. We're setting up our creative, our writing business. Let's keep it to writing for the moment. Yeah, let's keep to it be, to keep writing. it simple. Um, cause you're also a letterer, but, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll consider lettering. We'll, we'll that, throw it in the pan we'll of just the pan. what pays bills. It's your sure. part-time job essentially. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever you is. can talk about lettering as well, uh, or whatever else you want to talk about yeah. in terms of making money and stuff. But in terms of like trying to step your credit. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing now uh, to set up your writing business or your you know creative business? Let's call it. Yeah, because well, that could include lettering as well. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's the the part that I get stuck on as someone who's still fairly new to this because I'm I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not on a regular enough schedule. I'm probably not tracking what I'm doing well enough. Um, all I'm doing at this point is doing as much work as I can and trying to get my fingers into as many different projects as I can and meeting and networking and meeting as many people as I possibly can. Sure. So I'm at a point where, you know, I'm still trying to grow and I, I'm not at the point where I'm necessarily losing track of all the corners of what's going on, but the hope is obviously to get to that point. Do you want to get big enough that you need some sort of organizational system? You need to be tracking things. You need to be treating yourself as a business, and now I'm, sure. I'm treating myself as a business in the sake in the in the sake of, um, you know, I'm I'm looking for work. I'm doing projects. I'm building sort of a portfolio and a back catalog of work that I've done. Um, but I'm not. I'm not like I'm well, running an office out of my house. Well, let's talk day. about what you've done so far, yeah. just to kind of give people a bit of a baseline context of where you're at sure. currently, and then maybe we'll get into like things you maybe are wondering about yep. or things you, you, you're thinking you will do next or, or whatever. But let's just cool. talk about like, what have you done so far at this point? Um, so far I have published two of my own graphic novels. Um, one self published that is being picked up for republication. One that is being picked up by a publisher. Uh, I am currently developing three additional graphic novels with different artists and I'm doing a myriad of freelance lettering projects. So at this point, I have done, oh, quick math, quick math, quick math, probably the equivalent of three or four full-length graphic novels plus a countless amount of um, short comics projects. Uh, I'm also going to embark on another full-length graphic novel project in the near future because our Kickstarter just got funded, which is all good news. Um, I'm also currently working on the draft of a novel. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you, so we can do this a little differently if you want, but I think what would be a good place to start at least is for me to ask you some questions about what you've done and what you're doing. And then I can maybe also kind of maybe chime in here with like what I did. Totally when I was in your shoes along these lines or differently or, or maybe what I wish I had done. Yeah. I mean, so let me just ask you a question about when you self published a book Mm -hmm. and then you, it's been picked up for republication. So you're specifically at this point talking about, um, are you talking about infinite universe? Yes. Yes. So, uh, let me ask a question. So you, you self published, you and Steven self published infinite universe, Mm -hmm. the graphic, this graphic novel. Yes. Um, how did it happen to get picked up for publication? <laughs> um, so we self-published the graphic novel because we were under the opinion that no one would take us seriously until we actually finished a project. And so we weren't going to um, kind of build ourselves up until we had something to show for it. Infinite Universe is currently getting picked up for republication because uh, we found 
a small press here in Winnipeg, which is where we're located, uh, that was open to submissions. And one of the members of the press um, was someone that I had worked with through my volunteering in the Winnipeg Comic Con convention um, circuit. And so when they were open to submissions, I reached out to them. And what I had said was, um, you know, we self-published this novel or this graphic novel. Um, we are working or I'm working on a second graphic novel, which is an anthology. And if your press is interested or open to graphic novel submissions, um, I would like to submit these for your consideration. Um, I mean, mine so, had already been published. So there's something that I, 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 so here's something is interesting that you, so I am right now doing the insanely complex version of that. <laughs> so right now what I'm doing is I have, I was just talking today actually with, uh, uh, with Ren, who this, uh, woman who's doing this for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm paying her to do this project where she's building an inventory system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like she's just taking like building like an inventory setup where she, you know, and then uh, where, you know, I can put into a Dropbox folder, say a story I've written. Yep. I can like write a story or find a story on my hard drive, put yep. it in the Dropbox folder. Yep. And she's going to take it, file it into an inventory I'm going to tell her, uh, we'll have a meeting and I'll say like, submit that story to this place yeah. or find some horror market for that horror story or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and then she's going to, you know, put it into submission mm-hmm. and track the submission, wh- whether they accept it or reject it, the money comes back on this mm. and that and the other thing. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because I'm trying to find a way to, uh, sell and resell mm-hmm. the work I've already done. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, at this point, that's, you know, an incredible amount of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I'm just about to put out my eighth book. All those books could be resold yes. in foreign markets. Yeah. Uh, how, every single one of those books is a, a collection. All, well, almost every one of those books is a collection of discrete works. Mm-hmm. So like in a poetry book, for example, mm-hmm. there's 100 poems roughly, mm-hmm. each of which could be sold separately. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I've got unpublished in my computer, mm-hmm. you know, another thousands and thousands. That's what you said, yeah. Poems, stories, whatever. Uh, so, like, but what I realized, and it took me a long time to realize this, mm-hmm. is that to have a sustainable business, I have to be reselling work I already did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to me that you would actually be approaching a, when a press, like, puts out submissions. So mm-hmm. what I did, used to do when I was young is, like, somebody would be like, we're open for submissions and I would write something new and send it in. Yeah. And that's not a bad idea, yeah. but you know, if you have the time, yeah. But what I should have been doing if I was smart is sending them things that were already written. Yeah. Well, yeah, the logic of it was, you know, we made a book to show that we could make a book and we self printed it so that we, if when we, when the time came that we needed to pitch to a publisher, we could say, We've already finished something. We have proven that we can fin- that we can get the job done, um, and so we we made this book and we started hand selling it at conventions. Now, obviously, this all of this transpired before we were all stuck at home, which yeah. currently I'm for the next foreseeable future in the past. But um, when we're hand selling it at shows, we you know we have it on our website that it's available. We got it on Comicsology, so you could buy it there. But it's a lot of work 
to get it into the hands of bookstores and to get it uh, into the hands of anyone who isn't, you know, on your con circuit or in the city that you live in. So even though we, you know, we took it to independent bookstores, we took it to comic book stores that we knew and they stocked it there for us. Um, our distribution is still low. Mm-hmm. And so um, while we like that we can hand sell it at shows, we under we realized that, you know, that's a micro fraction of the potential audience out there. And so if there is someone that wants to do that work for us, which is the job of a publisher, um, that they we are more than willing to um, sell that sell the right the distribution rights to that book if they're going to expand the marketplace that we're getting to now even though we're only going to get a cut or a frat or not a fraction because our, our royalty rate is very very generous but even though we're not going to get the full proceeds of the money from the books that end up in that market um, that is still more money than we would get otherwise because it takes so much work to get the money in that market period and you've already done the work the work's done yeah we just had to Send it off. This the is the thing. Done. It has taken me forever to realize, and like I, I and, and at this point, I've realized that so much because because I've been thinking a lot of, in recent years about like what's the business model that makes the most sense, mm-hmm. where I can just do whatever I want mm-hmm. and do the weird. Because if people actually know my work, uh, my work is friggin' strange. The word, <laughs> the, the, the classy word that we use is niche. It's, 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 niche it's very work. weird niche work, yeah. right? Like, it is strange, weird niche work. I just put, we, we were just, earlier this week, Lydon and me and Gregory were like all texting about this um, lettering thing where I, you know, Gregory had asked that I add some text in this, on this one page and so I'd come up with this thing and, yeah. and then it had a really cool idea well, your and Gregory's motto with this book is make it weirder. Yeah, you were like, I've yeah. got an idea, but I think it's maybe too weird. And I was like, do you think we're the guys who are worried about yeah, no. being weird? The, the motto of the weird? book is make it weirder. <laughs> so we did something that, you know, doesn't get done in comics. Yeah, so we're because we're not worrying about, like, whether it's marketable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're trying to market it or whatever, but yeah. we're not worrying about, we're not going to make it marketable, if that yeah. makes sense. So we're yeah. going to make it. And then try to market it. But we're not going to make it marketable. We're not going to allow marketability dictate the decisions we're making in yes. the book. But my philosophy is that's fine. The reason I allow myself to do that mm-hmm. and to do the strangest possible thing at all times yeah. is because the devil's deal I've made with myself is when I'm done writing that thing, I will just pretend, I'll wash from my mind the idea that it's strange as as as, yeah. a, as fuck. It, it belongs here. It's done. <laughs> and I'll just assume now somebody wants it. How do I find that person? Yeah. So I'll actually like put the work into marketing it or at least try to devise some method <laughs> of marketing it. Yeah. Like I'll put real work into that as if it were a marketable thing. Yeah. Even if it isn't. Yeah. That's my deal. I have to treat it like it's marketable even if it's not. Yeah. But I don't have to try to make it marketable. But the thing that then comes into play for me is what I realized just doing the math of it and looking at like the business of it yeah. is if I want to keep doing the strangest possible thing and not worrying whether it makes any money, mm. I have to find a way to take all the stuff I've already done yeah. and make it and you have do it make the same money. Thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to make a lot of money. What I realized is like if you just do the math of it, like if it's like it's, it's a numbers game. Yep. It's like let's say for simple math, you know, I were to make a hundred dollars every time I publish something, which is 
of course, ridiculous. Sometimes you make $10, sometimes you make $10,000. Yeah. But like, uh, if everything makes you $100, let's say every acceptance is $100 just for simple math. Yeah. The question is, how much uh, money do you need to make in a year? How many submissions do you have to put out? Right. What's your submission acceptance rate? Right. Uh, and if your rate's 10%, and you have to sell, I don't know, let's say you want to make $100,000 just for easy math. Yep. Uh, you make $100 on each thing. That means you have to Your acceptance rate is 10%. A thousand things. A thousand things in a year or in a month? A year. That's the math, right? If you want to make 10,000. If, if you want to make, make 10,000 things. So well, let's just do the math here. So 10% of a thousand. We're clearly not math. So 100 people. things, 100 times 100 is what? Is it 10,000 or 100,000? Okay. Let's just do the math right, right now. Let's do it live for people. 100, this is so embarrassing. 100 times 100 is 10,000. So I actually have to send out 10,000 things in a year. I can't send out 10,000 things in a year because I'd have to do nothing else. But I could hire somebody to do it, perhaps. I think you need so to if I spend $20,000... I think you need to send out 1,000 things, not 10,000 things. In a year? No, you just told me. No, so... 100 times 100 is 10,000. Yes, but that's my acceptance. If you, but if you want to make $100,000 in a year and you make $100 on everything you send out, then you need to send out $100,100 because 100 times 1,000 is 100,000. So you have to send out 1,000 things in a year. I have, have accepted 100,000 yes. things in yes. a year. So I have to send out 10,000. If your acceptance rate is 10%. If my acceptance rate is 10 yes. That's the math of okay. it. So that's like obviously oversimplified math. I'm so sorry, listener. But let's, but let's say, so again, if I need, so then what if, you know, I got to send it roughly a thousand or yep. like somewhere between eight, I'm not going to do that exactly. No. Yeah. But like somewhere between eight hundred and a thousand things a month, I have to send out at a 10% accepted rates that I'm getting a hundred dollars each. Yeah. So let's say I do, let's say that is feasible math. Okay. Uh, and I, in that case, like. Well, oh my, now my full-time job is sending out stuff I already did. I don't yeah. have time to do anything. Well, that's ridiculous. I don't want to do that. That's right. But I could pay somebody. But if I'm making $100,000... You, you need to make enough money to be able to pay somebody. But if I'm, but if I'm making $100,000, I could pay somebody $30,000. I end up with $70,000 doing nothing. Now, it's not really doing nothing because I already did... Because you've already done the work. Yeah. But this is like the law... So again, these are just like imaginary numbers. But that's the logic of it. Yeah. Right? So it's less like the crazy max version of what you're talking about with republishing the book. You already did it. You mm -hmm. recognized I could republish it. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be me that goes to con anymore. Yeah. Yes, I'll make less money than if it was me standing there. But Jonathan, but I don't is, have to stand there now. But this is the frustration of it and kind of when, what I want to bring it back down to in its sort of base level thing is when we're, when we're talking about creative people that want to make a living doing creative work, um, the people that are doing it aren't wealthy people. You're not starting no. off with a nest egg of money. And this essentially just becomes another pay-to-play scheme of making money, where you need money to make money. Well, I think what it, you actually need to do is set yourself up on a path where you're getting to this point where you're living off royalties. Yeah, and I, basically. Think, and I think that's really what we need to dig into when we're looking at starting to create... a business for yourself because yes, yes what you're talking about is something that you can do when you reach a certain point but when we're talking about um, people that are my age or people that are not established creators at this point like I took 
Let's let's I'll bring it right to, right. Well, let's to the come beginning. right back to what you're talking about. So what I what I wish I had done when I was your age, yeah. so I didn't have to do all this stuff now. Yeah. It was just already done. Yes. But when I'm talking about treating yourself as a business, um, let's pretend that you and I don't have a back catalog of work that we've done yet. We do, but sure. On Imagine the you're starting from zero. You're starting from zero. What? No, really what you're starting at is you took a creative writing class one yeah, time. Yeah. Okay, let's start with the creative writing class. Because yeah. that's actually a very good place to start. Yeah. If you, I'm that person. You're a creator and so you're taking a creative writing class. I didn't really class. do this path and you didn't either. But like a lot of people do the path where they kind of like writing. They write here and there. Yep. Now they're in university doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. And they think, maybe I'll take a creative writing class. For fun. For an elective. For fun. Or maybe in the back of their mind, they have the idea that they'd like to do do this this very seriously. Yeah. But they they don't don't know how. how. They don't have the information. Yeah. They just don't get it. So they take a creative writing class. So they take a creative writing class. And what do they learn in that creative writing class? Now I teach creative (laughs) writing classes. So I took a creative writing class. And um, what I, I did take a creative writing class. And what I learned was how to chase your muse and what motivates you as a writer to write things and you'll you'll write and you'll workshop it and you'll become a better writer that way um great it taught me how to be a hobby writer because it taught me how i can create things that i enjoy reading that's it which is fine yeah to a degree but it is but it doesn't serve the purpose that what we're talking about it's a hobby writing thing yeah so, like, I write the things I want to read, yep. um, but I have a framework. <laughs> yep. I understand, that, like, this will make money and this will not make me money. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, if I want to do this, I've got to also do this. Yep. Or I've got to find a way to, you know, offset it with this. Um, and I've had to learn all that stuff with trial and error, and I'm still learning it, you yeah. know, uh, at this point. There, but there is no consumer math of writing. There is no yes. writing class that Taxes. is going to teach you yeah, the fundamental skills to make a business out of what it is you're doing. Well, the most valuable thing I ever did when I was, uh, the, what, I took a bunch of career writing classes and yep. I learned lots of interesting and it's excellent things. And I learned things about writing that I yeah. still use and think were really valuable. Yep. Um, but then I learned other things were just, you know, I can barely even remember them. Yeah. Um, or I don't remember them. Yeah. But what I learned the most from was a workshop, one hour workshop I took by accident mm. about taxes and writings. Um, where and, I learned, and I know nothing. About I learned writing. Well, let me tell you something. Oh, okay. Now I am not Settle an accountant. In. Yeah. Uh, and this is not accounting or legal advice. I will not take anything you say as legal advice, as I hold my left hand. <laughs> let in, in being a lawyer, or, or yeah. at least being qualified to be a lawyer if he chose to be. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think a thing that writers, I think, let's imagine again, you're starting from zero, you're taking yep. a creative writing taking class. Taking a creative writing class. You took it, you learned some fun things, it was neat, but you don't, don't, still don't know what it means to be a professional writer. You enjoy it. You learned that it's fun to write things. That's what you learned in a creative writing and class. And maybe you learned how to be a better writer. Yep. Let's say you, let's say you learned how to be a better writer yep. and you are a better writer. Now yep. you're a really good writer. Let's just start from there. Yep. What do you do now? So what's the so I look I'm looking around the room aimlessly. I think a thing that people really overlook is in terms of professionalization yep. of uh, a writing like becoming a writing business is one you really need to recognize that you if you're going to try to make money. Yep. You are now a Your writing business, business. Yep. and you got to understand it's it's not even just a mindset it is a mindset thing but it's not just a mindset thing it's actually a 
taxation legal thing. Mm -hmm. The government of Canada now considers you. If you send a poem to a magazine and they publish your poem and pay you $50, now you have to tell the government you made $50 writing. Now, here's my question, and I don't know enough about taxation to know the answer to this. Is there a threshold that you have to hit before it becomes an, or before it becomes an actual profession? It's income. It's income. So the question bec- now again, I'm not a tax person, but like for so for you, Lyndon, yes, uh, a person who is making some money writing and doing lettering, doing creative activities. Yeah. So when you go to file your taxes, you have to report the money you made. Now, uh, the question now. And they're going to tax you on it. Yes. Because if so I, pay, so I paid you whatever it was. Let's yep. say I paid you $1,000. And it was I will more than that. be reporting it on my taxes. So um, so I paid you a thousand. Let's just for ease numbers, use $1,000. Yep. I paid you $1,000 yep. to do lettering on the eye collector. Yeah. Um, again, we're not using the real numbers, but like that's the yep. number we'll use for the example. Yeah. Um, so you have to you know report that with all the other income you made. Yep. That, now, when I paid you $1,000, I didn't withhold any taxes. Correct. So the government, CRA will tax $300 roughly away from you, say, whatever okay. it is. What are, let's say the tax bracket is, it, 30%. is it 30%. I, I forget. Okay. It depends where you fall with your total income and stuff. But okay. like just, just for simple math, yep. uh, and let's say your bracket ends up being 30%, Correct. you're going to tax $300 back. So one thing you got to know is when I give you that $1,000, you should put $300, $300 into a bank account yep. and not spend it. Right. Because <laughs> tax also, man is going to come. Receipt on it, so you know how much you were paid. You got to get an invoice, yeah. uh, or whatever, or provide me an invoice, and yep. I pay you. You got to. So one, you need to have paperwork for all that. You got to yep. have a place to file that paperwork. Yeah. Because when taxes comes, they're going to need that paperwork. Yeah. Uh, you two, you've got to take withhold from yourself <laughs> a certain amount of money that you understand probably will go to taxes. Yeah. But the other thing to keep in mind that a lot of people don't keep in mind, even if they know that, is you now, because you're engaged in professional activity, so now you're in business, Lyndon, whether you like it or not. Okay. I've in business. For something. I'm in business. And therefore, you can write off business expenses. So hmm. now you go to the comic store and you buy a comic book and it costs you, 30, let's say you buy a fancy, expensive comic that costs you $30. Yeah. And, the, and you are buying it because you love this letterer. Yeah. You're going to put it in your pile of comics, your library. Yeah. Where, you know. Are you saying that I should be keeping the receipts from all the yeah, comics that I buy? Yeah, because you can write them off as business expenses. Interesting. I'm So now things. you say you bought a $30 comic. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, it's a legitimate business expense because you're reading that comic. You yep. got to, you know, you read it, you study you, you pay attention to the lettering. Yep. You decide, you know, Batman Beyond has crap lettering or whatever. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try that. Yep. That's a neat thing, whatever. Yep. So here's, here's This a is a legitimate business expense for you, Lyndon. Yeah. And so if you save that receipt, now you can write a portion of that off. So you'll, you'll end up getting like, what is it? Uh, I spent a lot 10 of bucks, bucks. 10 bucks off. You'll get like 10 bucks of that $30 back. So here's a question because more or less I'm an idiot. And didn't save my receipts for everything. When you and I go to lunch and talk about the eye collector yep. in the post-COVID times, yep. you save that receipt. Okay, but here's so do you know I, what I mean. I pay everything. I do all my purchases on my credit card, and I pay off my credit card. So I have an invoice on my credit card from the store that tells me what it is. So when I buy a book on Amazon, as an example, yeah, or McNally or whatever, yeah. I print. I, they email me a receipt. I print the receipt off. Okay, I get that. But my <laughs> question for you, Jonathan, you know? is: Can I use? credit card invoices as a receipt of purchase. 
theoretically, yes, I wouldn't advise it. Okay. Because it doesn't itemize it. Correct. In a, and it doesn't show the taxes yeah. breakdown. Yeah. Because you're going to maybe get the G. Because at some point you might start charging GST. Like yeah. I charge GST, for example. Yeah. Anyway, it gets complicated. But okay. the short story is Tax these are the things you should learn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right? and no one knows that. I didn't know that. I just like comics because I like reading comics. You probably could have got thousands of dollars back on your taxes. I spent so much money on reading I've comics. I've spent. You know, I don't want to say it yeah. in case my wife listens to this, but I, <laughs> I've spent a lot of money, a ton of money on books over the years. Yeah. Um, but you know, I get about 30% of it back in taxes Okay. or at least in tax write-offs, which can, is not insubstantial. Uh, so I don't know the details of how the taxes work. Like I have an account yeah. that does this tax yeah. stuff for me, but that's the basics of it is like. Now you're in business, so you got to think about everything differently. When you go buy a comic book, that's a business expense mm-hmm. because you're learning how to better make My comics. Work. Yeah. Assuming you actually are like, you know, reading it and learning from it and blah, blah. Yeah. Like, I mean, no one's tracking whether you're reading a book. Yeah. But, but like, that's the way you got to The mentality think of it. Treating yourself because, as a business. And you got to remember, like, they're going to, they're treating you as a business. Yeah.